My name is Melissa Navarro, and welcome to COVID Around the World, the podcast dedicated to connecting with Fairfield University's international partners during COVID-19. In this episode, we will be focusing on Costa Rica's success in being one of the few countries to successfully contain the spread of COVID-19. For this segment, we have Dr. Eduardo Alberto Zuniga Delgado. He is a clinical chemical microbiologist specializing in immunology. This interview will be conducted quite differently than the other interviews I've done for this podcast. Dr. Zuniga Delgado, Delgado and I were not able to schedule a formal live interview due to time conflicts, but he sent me audios of his answers to my questions about the containment of this virus in Costa Rica. The way I'll be doing this interview is as follows. Since he only speaks Spanish, I decided that I would first ask the question in English, then in Spanish, and then provide his audios. Lastly, I will be giving a summary of each of his answers in English at the end of each of his audios. This will be an interesting way of informing not only our English listeners, but also any Spanish listeners who are interested in learning a little bit about Costa Rica during these times. So, let's begin. How exactly does the healthcare system work in Costa Rica? Is it public or private? How is the public healthcare system funded? ¿Cómo funciona el Sistema Nacional de Salud en Costa Rica? ¿Es público o privado? ¿Cómo se, cómo se financia el Sistema Nacional de Salud en el país? El Sistema Nacional de Salud en Costa Rica básicamente es público y lo da, está compuesto por la Caja Costarricense de Seguro Social, que es la unidad que ejecuta, el Ministerio de Salud de Costa Rica, que es la unidad que rige, que da la norma, que da la pauta, es el ente controlador y se financia de un aporte de los patronos, un aporte del trabajador y un aporte de el Estado costarricense. Ellos no es a través de impuestos, sino es un régimen que se basa en la solidaridad del patrono, del trabajador y del Estado. He says that the national healthcare system in Costa Rica is public and managed by the Costa Rican Social Security Fund, which in Spanish is known as the Caja Costarricense de Seguro Nacional. Then there's the Ministry of Health, known as el Ministerio de Salud de Costa Rica in Spanish. Essentially, the Costa Rican Social Security Fund are the ones who are in charge of policy decisions and the passing of policy for the public health sector in the country. The Ministry of Health then are the ones who not only put these policies into effect, but also regulate them for the people. As to who finances everything, it is funded three different ways, through employers, the workers, and the state. In a separate text message, which isn't included in the audio, he said that employers contribute 5.25% of their profits, workers contribute 4% of their salary, and then the state contributes 1.4% of their money. I want to note that they all contribute this money directly to the Social Security Fund, which then distributes the money to public hospitals. Also, not every worker has to contribute. Only those who are in a certain tax bracket are exempt from giving a percentage of their salary to the fund. So that means that since it's these three funding the, I guess, public health sector, this is not through taxes at all. I don't know if he really made that clear in the audio, but I do want to point out that it is not through taxes, only through the employer, the worker, and the state. Lastly, I want to quickly mention something he didn't quite touch on 
in this audio clip, Costa Rica also has a private healthcare system, which of course is completely separate from the public health sector. And if people have the funds, then they can easily go to private hospitals, clinics, etc. if they wish. How does the general public feel about the healthcare system? Do they feel like it does enough for them? ¿Cuál es la opinión de este sistema de salud en el país? La gente cree que el sistema es uh, un sistema bueno, de lo cual han sacado mucho provecho. La Caja Costarricense de Seguro Social eh, es una de los, en las eh, encuestas de opinión, es una de las que usualmente está entre las primeras instituciones respetadas por el pueblo costarricense. Y de hecho, eh, con un aporte que vimos del trabajador de 4% de su salario, tiene acceso a todo, no hay restricción. El, y puede asegurar a familiares. Entonces, obviamente, es un sistema robusto y de muy buena aceptación entre la población costarricense y más la población trabajadora. Out of all the national institutions that Costa Rica runs, Public surveys have shown that the Costa Rican Social Security Fund ranks among one of the most accepted and respected institutions in the country. In fact, because workers have to contribute a percentage of their salary to the Social Security Fund, they are, grant they are granted a lot of benefits. This would include any and all medical attention that they seek be granted to them without any restrictions. And actually, if the worker has a family that they want to insure, they are able to do so under their plan. So... It is a very robust system that is widely accepted among the Costa Rican population, especially among the workers who contribute their salary to the Social Security Fund. What rules have been implemented to prevent the spread of COVID-19? ¿Qué reglas se han impuesto para prevenir el contagio del COVID-19? Pues definitivamente son las reglas internacionales. Actualmente el país se divide en zonas de alerta amarilla que hay una restricción vehicular, la restricción vehicular se ha hecho básicamente en, en el último número de, de las placas de los automóviles, aquí llamamos placas o chapas, como llaman en otros países como en Cuba, no sé cómo llamarán en Estados Unidos, ustedes tienen mucha influencia mexicana y puertorriqueña, sé que es de la, eh, la autorización que hace el Estado de que el vehículo circule, está determinado, digamos, este restricción por número de placa, el número final, fin de semana, sábado, solo, solo circulan los vehículos con placa en pares, y el domingo circulan los vehículos con placas eh, al final pares. Y entonces las autoridades de salud, que en este caso es el Ministerio de Salud, que es el ente rector de, de la parte de salubridad del país, ha dispuesto que en las zonas este, amarillas, eh, la circulación de los peatones es usando mascarillas, este, eh, puede ser de tela o quirúrgicas, también caretas, la visita a ciertos públicos con caretas, sea, todos los hospitales y servicios de la CACO, costarricense de seguro social, eh, actualmente en el hospital que yo trabajo, las personas no pueden ingresar si no portan mascarilla, careta, y después hay un lavado de, de manos eh, previo a la entrada y hay personal de seguridad que toma la eh, temperatura corporal, en el caso que tuviera 37,5 o más, se refiere a un consultorio médico para su evaluación posterior. También, este, bueno, se insiste mucho en el lavado de manos. En Costa Rica no tenemos ya mayor problema porque la cobertura de agua potable ronda casi el 99% del territorio nacional. 
alguna otra cosita, le puedo mandar un, una, una iconografía. So here he says that Costa Rica follows all international rules regarding COVID-19. And not only that, but they've implemented their own set of rules. Costa Rica is divided into seven provinces, which then are divided into cantons. Depending on the extremity of the virus in a given canton, they will be designated code yellow. This means that they must follow a strict set of rules when leaving their homes. For drivers, they are restricted as to when they can drive their vehicles into town. On Saturdays, only license plate numbers ending in odd numbers can be on the road. On Sundays, only license plates ending in even numbers are allowed to be on the road. As for pedestrians, the Ministry of Health has told those individuals who live in code yellow zone that they must wear face masks when walking down the street at all times. That could be cloth masks, surgical masks, or even face shields. Also, anyone visiting public buildings such as hospitals must wear a mask or they are not granted entry. If they do have a mask on and their temperature is under 37.5 degrees Celsius or 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit, they are then directed to thoroughly, thoroughly wash their hands before proceeding into the building. If, for whatever reason, their temperature is above 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit, then they are referred to a separate physician's office where they can be examined examined in isolation. And lastly, he says that the Ministry of Health continues to insist on hand washing, which isn't a problem here because portable water is 99% access accessible around the country. If diagnosed with COVID-19, what are the guidelines for treating patients? What adjustments have to be made to continue providing healthcare services? What are the guidelines set for seeing and treating patients? Si alguien sale positivo con COVID-19, ¿Cuáles son las reglas generales que se tienen que seguir? ¿Qué cambios se han hecho para poder seguir dándole a la gente los, estos servicios de salud? ¿Cuáles son las reglas generales para poder seguir atendiendo pacientes? Si una persona da positiva la prueba del de aspirado nasofaringio o la prueba que más se utiliza, que es con la torunda, entonces... ¿Cuáles son las reglas generales que se tienen que seguir? Bueno, en todos los hospitales, básicamente, una persona se, se toma la temperatura antes de llegar. Hay un, no sé si es en idioma francés, triage, es, un, es un, un filtro. Entonces, se toma la temperatura y se le pregunta si presenta síntomas de, de alguna infección respiratoria. Si da positivo, es, eh, digamos, tiene más de 37,5 grados centígrados de temperatura corporal y tiene eh, alguno u otro de los síntomas de infecciones respiratorias, pues entonces será pasado a una unidad que se llama unidad COVID, que es totalmente separada del resto de los servicios. Ahí entonces el personal que llega va a tener equipo de protección personal que consta no solo de una mascarilla naso bucal, sino también de careta y sobre eso todo un este, traje desechable que cubre cabeza, tórax, abdomen, miembros inferiores y superiores ¿verdad? y va a tener guantes. Todo el personal que entra a esa área tiene que usar ese equipo de protección personal, tiene que este, el personal que asiste ahí Después de que se quita eso, se baña, se lava y no puede. Y actualmente en nuestro hospital hasta tienen un comedor aparte. No acude a ninguna de las otras áreas 
del hospital y el personal que estamos en el resto de servicios hospitalarios no acudimos a esa área, este es algo totalmente prohibitivo, verdad está prohibido. Y ahorita también parte de las medidas es de que el personal que está en consulta externa o áreas no afines a los salones de hospitalización, eh, no hay. Se eliminó la visita hospitalaria, para entrar al hospital se pasa por un filtro de toma de temperatura eh, y cualquier persona que dé temperatura elevada mayor de 37,5 es este, enviado a, a una área pre-COVID. Si ya el médico decide que sí es sospechoso a un sospechoso entra a la área COVID y en esta área, pues como ya le dije. Así que ahí está la pregunta. If someone wishes to go and take a COVID test at the hospital, the first thing to be done is to take their temperature. They are then asked to list any other symptoms they have shown that link to COVID-19. If their temperature is higher than 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit and are showing other symptoms, they are then taken to a completely separate unit in the building dedicated to COVID-19 patients or people who may have COVID-19. Then a healthcare professional will come into the room wearing a face mask, a face shield, and a disposable bodysuit, as well as gloves. Once they are done speaking with the patient and performing the buccal or nasal swab, they are instructed to leave and immediately take a shower in order to sanitize themselves before doing anything else. Currently, those healthcare professionals who deal with COVID-19 patients are not allowed into any other part of the hospital building. In fact, they even have a separate cafeteria that is dedicated to the workers in the COVID-19 unit. As for hospital visits, they have been completely eliminated and prohibited. If businesses are not following the health guidelines or social distancing rules, what kind of repercussions are they going to face? Si los negocios no siguen las reglas de salud o de distanciamiento social, ¿cuáles son las consecuencias que sufren? Reglas de salud, de distanciamiento, ¿cuáles son las consecuencias que sufren? Bueno, definitivamente el negocio será cerrado por una orden sanitaria. If businesses are not following health guidelines, then they will, without a doubt, be shut down. This shutdown will be mandated through a health order and until the business proves that they will follow the rules and take the necessary measures to make sure that they try to contain the spread of this virus, or at least not promote the spread of the virus by not following rules, then they will be allowed to open up again. I was really interested in why the numbers of COVID-19 tests have started to spike, especially in the month of July. And I wanted to ask him, what he thought was the reason for this. He said that he was unable to answer this question in a professional manner because he felt he was not qualified to give a professional opinion since he is not an ep epidemiologist. I wanted to include this because it goes to show that Costa Rica has been very strict when it comes to giving out information um, relating to COVID-19. The way I perceive this is that the Ministry of Health and the Costa Rican government the Costa Rican government doesn't want just anyone giving out information relating to this manner if they are not fully qualified to do so. Uh, yes, Dr. Um, Suñiga Delgado is a doctor, but as I mentioned earlier, he is a microbiologist. He is not someone who specializes in epidemiology. So this would be, uh, in a way, if he gave us information it could easily be false information since he isn't qualified to speak on this matter 
in a professional manner, um, which could lead the the Costa Rican population to panic, which is definitely not what any government would want their um, to happen, especially during these times where we most need to be united together. Regardless of this spike, when comparing to other countries around the world and Latin America, Costa Rica has been doing exceptionally well. What would you say Costa Rica is really succeeding succeeding in in order to contain this virus? What is Costa Rica doing to set themselves apart from the world? A pesar del aumento en casos positivos, si uno compara los números de casos con los de otros países en Latinoamérica, a Costa Rica no le está yendo mal, no le está yendo tan mal. En su opinión, ¿qué está haciendo Costa Rica para contener el virus? ¿Qué está haciendo Costa Rica bien que otros países en Latinoamérica no están haciendo bien? Eh, lo que sucede con Costa Rica es de que Costa Rica, pues desde los años mediados de los años de 1940, pues tiene un sólido estado de, de derecho social, con la caja costarricense de seguro social, o sea, seguridad social, no privada. También tiene universidades públicas, la Universidad de Costa Rica, el Instituto Tecnológico de Costa Rica, la UNED, la Universidad Nacional, y, y también tiene organismos como el Instituto Nacional de Electricidad, con su programa Colby, que entonces nos permite no necesariamente movernos, sino que permitió el teletrabajo, también permite que los estudiantes de escasos recursos a nivel de secundaria, high school sería, ¿verdad?, y de universidad de college en Estados Unidos, pues tengan acceso a, 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 a clases virtuales, porque la Universidad de Costa Rica ha dado este, tabletas, computadorcitas portátiles, se dan tablets, ¿verdad?, a los estudiantes de escasos recursos, y sigue el, el sistema de becas, entonces los estudiantes pueden haber regresado a la casa de sus familiares, y, y se conectan, y muchos también tienen el plan de Colby, que son unos planes de internet y de todo, mucho más accesibles, ¿sabes? que no sería con las empresas privadas, ¿verdad? Y tenemos una gran cobertura de acueductos y alcantarillados, que se dice que una de las medidas es el lavado constante de manos, pero con agua potable, y la cobertura en agua potable de Costa Rica estaría un turno, no, para no ser así muy este un 98, 99% de, de la geografía nacional. No tenemos un problema como en Colombia, ¿verdad? Que hay áreas como la Guajira colombiana, que la población indígena ha tenido muchos casos, pues porque no hay este, eh, agua potable. Eh, entonces, ¿qué está haciendo? Bueno, a través, eh, eh, hay un instituto adyacente, el Instituto Cloromiro Picado Twice, adyacente a la Universidad de Costa Rica, y hay un instituto de, de ciencias y en la enseñanza en la salud en ciencia y eh, hospitales nacionales. Entonces, el Instituto Clorito Picado Twice viene, desarrolló un suero hiperinmune, que esto va a permitir, lo que hace es que reduce la, la gravedad ya de la enfermedad por coronavirus eh, 19, que vos que hablas inglés sabes que es... In Costa Rica, since the 1940s, they have always been about pushing social equality, which is why things like the Costa Rican Social Security Fund was created, along with public universities. They, all, they also have things like the National Institute of Electricity, where they have programs like Colby, which is an internet company that has provided the country with the ability to work remotely during these times 
rather than relocating to follow social distancing rules. They also help students in high school and college to have access to their virtual classes. In fact, the University of Costa Rica has provided their students with tablets and portable laptops to those with very minimal resources to continue their studies from home because there are hundreds of students who live in very rural areas where they probably have no access to internet. And even if they did, they might not have a laptop or they have to share a laptop with their siblings, which would prevent them from being able to successfully continue their studies. Not only that, but students are also eligible for need-based scholarships if they apply. Also, if with Colby, these students can upgrade their plans to have better access to internet. They also have better access to internet if they have the ability to pay for it. Um, as for access to water, as he mentioned in the previous question, Costa Ricans have a 98-99% access to potable water, which is very different from countries like Colombia, where the indigenous population in La Guajira have not been able to access potable water due to lack of accessibility throughout all of the Colombian territory. Lastly, there are things like the Institute of Clodomiro Picado Twight within the University of Costa Rica, where they have developed a hyperimmune equine serum, uh, which is a serum, and after looking it up because he doesn't mention it in his audio, it's a serum injected into horses, which then causes them to generate a large number of antibodies. And then when this plasma is taken out, it is thought that this can help fight COVID-19 or at least alleviate some of the symptoms. Um, actually, I also saw in an article, uh, it's an article by Reuters, um, published by Hernan Nessie, the author, um, that Argentina is also trying to do start trials with this serum to help treat COVID-19. And this article was published pretty recently. It was July 29th, 2020. Essentially, Costa Rica's investment in the education system, the healthcare system, the accessibility of potable water, and the accessibility of electricity for its citizens has really helped the population get through the good times and then times like these where we're living through a global pandemic. I want to thank Dr. Eduardo Alberto Zuniga Delgado for helping me with this and trying to get the most information, the most accurate information to inform um, our listeners, which I would assume are mainly people who live in the United States, and they may not know what's happening in third world countries or just countries in Latin America like Costa Rica. In continuation with this episode on successful containment of COVID-19 in Costa Rica, I wanted to talk about how the education system is being handled. I figured this is an important part of successful containment because depending on the way countries handle how students will go back to school, that can either spread spread or contain the virus. Today, in this short interview, we have Yoleni Moreno, who works in the administrative sector for the Agua Dulce Lodge in, in Playa Preciosa, which is located in Puerto Jimenez, Punta Arenas, near the Panamanian border. Not only that, but she used to run the Office of an Education Program in Costa Rica, so she has a vast knowledge on the education system in the country. I want to say, though, this interview will be a little different. Yoleni couldn't be here with us today, so she has sent me all her answers via email. In order to make it a little more authentic, I have asked my friend to read her answers so it could feel like an interview and not just me talking. So with that in mind, let's begin. To start, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, as Melissa said, my name is Yoleni Moreno, and I currently work for the Agua Dulce Lodge in Playa Preciosa, where I'm in charge of all the employees, sales, 
how the hotel is being managed, the rooms, guests, and also the accounting, charges, payroll, etc. I also used to run the office of an education program in Costa Rica, which was managed by Anita Dig Carlin, the former International Studies and Business Director at Fairfield. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. I wanted to start off by asking, how are schools running due to social distancing rules? When were public, public schools shut down indefinitely and have they started opening back up? What rules must be followed so schools can open back up again if they wish? Unfortunately, when it comes to private and public education in Costa Rica, there has always been a wide gap between the two. According to a research done by the Institute for Research and Economic Sciences in Costa Rica, 82% of the poorest students in the country don't finish school, while only 25% of students of higher status don't finish school. Private schools have continued their studies remotely with no issues. Public schools, on the other hand, have faced some issues because not every family has a computer at home for their kids. Not only that, but the internet access they may have is not ideal for downloading their work or for connecting with their professors. Most Costa Rican households have two or more kids who are going to school, so it's difficult for them to do what they need to do if they don't have more than one computer or access to the internet. What the government has done for these kids is that, since they can't go back to in-person classes, they will give them hard copies of the work that needs to be done. Also, through WhatsApp, kids and parents can communicate with the teachers and professors about any doubts or problems they may have. The government is not sure when in-person classes will begin to take place again. Word is that they want to open beginning September, but they're still not sure. And when are universities like the UCR, the University of Costa Rica, opening back up again? What is being done to help those who do not have internet access back home in order to continue their studies? Public universities are continuing virtually. Universities like the University of Costa Rica have set up time periods for certain departments and so students can show up to clear any doubts or questions they may have. Everyone must follow protocols that have been put in place by the institution. Currently, though, there is not a return date for in-person classes for the public universities. Well, at the end of the day, I'm glad to hear that the Costa Rican government is going out of its way to help promote the containment of this virus. Well, that is all we have for today. I want to thank Yoleni for giving us this valuable information, and I would also like to thank my friend for stepping in and helping me with this interview. In continuation with this episode on successful containment of COVID-19 in Costa Rica, I wanted to talk about how the education system is being handled. I figured this is an important part of successful containment because depending on the way countries handle how students will go back to school, that can either spread, spread or contain the virus. Today, in this short interview, we have Yoleni Moreno, who works in the administrative sector for the Agua Dulce Lodge in, in Playa Preciosa, which is located in Puerto Jimenez, Punta Arenas, near the Panamanian border. Not only that, but she used to run the Office of an Education Program in Costa Rica, so she has a vast knowledge on the education system in the country. I want to say, though, this interview will be a little different. Yoleni couldn't be here with us today, so she has sent me all her answers via email. In order to make it a little more authentic, I have asked my friend to read her answers so it could feel like an interview and not just me talking. So with that in mind, let's begin. To start, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, as Melissa said, my name is Yoleni Moreno, and I currently work for the Agua Dulce Lodge in Playa Preciosa, where I'm in charge of all the employees, sales, 
how the hotel is being managed, the rooms, guests, and also the accounting, charges, payroll, etc. I also used to run the office of an education program in Costa Rica, which was managed by Anita Dig Carlin, the former International Studies and Business Director at Fairfield. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. I wanted to start off by asking, how are schools running due to social distancing rules? When were public, public schools shut down indefinitely and have they started opening back up? What rules must be followed so schools can open back up again if they wish? Unfortunately, when it comes to private and public education in Costa Rica, there has always been a wide gap between the two. According to a research done by the Institute for Research in Economic Sciences in Costa Rica, 82% of the poorest students in the country don't finish school, while only 25% of students of higher status don't finish school. Private schools have continued their studies remotely with no issues. Public schools, on the other hand, have faced some issues because not every family has a computer at home for their kids. Not only that, but the internet access they may have is not ideal for downloading their work or for connecting with their professors. Most Costa Rican households have two or more kids who are going to school, so it's difficult for them to do what they need to do if they don't have more than one computer or access to the internet. What the government has done for these kids is that since they can't go back to in-person classes, they will give them hard copies of the work that needs to be done. Also, through WhatsApp, kids and parents can communicate with the teachers and professors about any doubts or problems they may have. The government is not sure when in-person classes will begin to take place again. Word is that they want to open beginning September, but they're still not sure. And when are universities like the UCR, the University of Costa Rica, opening back up again? What is being done to help those who do not have internet access back home in order to continue their studies? Public universities are continuing virtually. Universities like the University of Costa Rica have set up time periods for certain departments and so students can show up to clear any doubts or questions they may have. Everyone must follow protocols that have been put in place by the institution. Currently, though, there is not a return date for in-person classes for the public universities. At the end of the day, I'm glad to hear that the Costa Rican government is going out of its way to help promote the containment of this virus. That is all we have for today. I want to thank Yoleni for giving us this valuable information, and I would also like to thank my friend for stepping in and helping me with this interview. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of COVID Around the World. Our next episode will focus on COVID and containment in the Gambia. Thank you.